Great debate during uh, Mad Men last night, honey. Uh, which particular debate? Well, I like a lot of things from the Mad Men era, which mm-hmm. at this point in the show that you're watching, I believe you're still in the early 60s, kind of. Yes, I'm rewatching Mad Men from the start, and yeah, it's the early 60s. Yeah, and um, while I love many things from the early 60s, the clothes, the furniture, um, you've been impressed by Betty's food, which I haven't been rewatching as thoroughly as you have. I've been kind of in and out, but um, I could leave the food from the 60s like forever and be done. So what we're talking about in particular is cold food. Like she serves Don Draper, her husband, Cold things like cold uh, turkey and chicken salad for dinner, and and I this idea that the entrees were cold mm-hmm. it just blows me away. Now my mother used to make a Waldorf salad, which is you know a cold fruit salad kind of. Yeah, and it was With delicious. The walnuts and the apples and the exactly mayo-y dressing. Yeah, which is probably which is probably very Mad Men food. Food, as a matter of fact, you know, Yankee Northeast. Yeah. Well, the other thing is that American cuisine, like post World War II, was very affected by the widespread adoption of refrigerators by everyone, like in the forties. So. The like 50s and 60s saw a lot of these kind of you couldn't really do gelatin type foods without indoor refrigeration. Right. You're not doing gelatin salads, quote unquote, like aspics, these types of foods if you're unless you have a fridge. Right. So that really like rose in popularity in that kind of mid-century era, which I find all that stuff absolutely vile and disgusting. I think it's absolutely totally gorgeous. Even when no, I, I don't on, need tuna to be in no, gelatin. No. Even when I worked on a bar. cruise ship in the eighties, mm-hmm. um, the midnight buffet in the cruise ship mm-hmm. was um, there was a whole bunch of pates and aspic stuff, stuff frozen and Ugh. oh, good, it's so gorgeous. I loved it all. It was just it was um, ornate. And just th- that whole thing, I just think was is lovely. Um, I, I wonder if there's through, a, if, if you it, look through vintage recipes, there's tons of these like weird cold savory salads. Like like I said, there's literally tuna gelatin salads. Yes, and there's there's, there's like, all like pimento and everything else in there. Oh. And it's, I think it's gorgeous. And, and but it's you funny. like olive loaf, so oh, I love it. Oh, I love it. <laughs> no, but, 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 but it is it, it is related too because. You know, I remember my mother having a a mold, uh, you know, the, mm-hmm. the the mold for those things, a ring. Yeah. And you never see those anymore. My mom had jello molds too, but we made like candy jello in them, like kid like raspberry jello and stuff. But what yeah, happened like, to the, the the I understand that the refrigeration was was new, but also or maybe that was just a matter of of the cold stuff being around because Don Draper was getting home late and there was no microwaves then. So reheating things, reconstituting things, maybe that was the part of the point is that if he wasn't going to have his dinner when it was in its prime, let's say she made a sirloin steak with mm-hmm. lima beans and and, um, and mashed potatoes. Right. Fresh out of the oven, all of those things are perfect. Maybe it was uh, there was a time when a, a pride of a housewife was to never serve anything that wasn't in its prime. So so um so maybe cold 
chicken salads, etc., were were a different avenue where right. you could have something that was but at I its also, prime but was cold. I think that's true, but I think there's also like I think we have a misperception now that people like ate really well and luxuriously then because you know we see the nice pictures of sort of like the Betty Crocker lifestyle and the yes. pretty 50s and 60s family and their little outfits and i think you know even shows like mad men tend to give that impression a little bit that everything was like so perfect and had this gorgeous veneer of luxury but i think people ate total crap back then and like i mean my mom my mom grew up in the 50s and 60s and has total horror stories about the food her parents served her that was like the most processed disgusting stuff and you know like her mom still couldn't cook her mom was a woman of many many talents um but cooking was not one of them and you know true to form in terms of like we were saying cold foods uh, deviled eggs were in her repertoire, but almost nothing else. And so, which like kind of makes sense for that era and the types of foods that we're talking about. Um, but, you know, like fruit cake, like weird process, like they, and that was also the era, if you think about it, of like better living through science and, you know, the chemical companies mm -hmm. coming up with things. I mean, like, there was no, maybe some, I guess there were hippies in the 60s, right? So somebody was being crunchy. But like, this was like the era of baby formula is better than breastfeeding because we've scientifically perfected the mm -hmm. exact nutrition babies should have. And, you know, that that all this stuff was like healthy. I mean, Wonder Bread, which I believe is older actually, but that's so named because it's supposed to be like you know, fortified with all the vitamins. It's supposed well, to be right. healthier. And, and don't forget... And, like, my grandparents loved Wonder Bread. They grew up in the Depression, my grandparents yeah. did. So, like, to them, all this, like, high-tech food that was, like, scientifically developed or required fridges or whatever, this was all, like, the height of luxury was this stuff. But we look at that stuff today as this, like, you know, these very kind of... We're not eating olive loaf as a rule, like, nowadays, because yeah. people don't want stuff that's that... Right, but but as far as the processing goes, mm -hmm. remember, just as the you know Ford Motor Company um, uh, repurposed itself to make tanks instead of you know Model Ts or whatever right. at the time, food companies were making food with preservatives for troops in Europe, right, and around the world for so T rations and C rations, etc. So I I think a lot of that was led by that. And to, you know, much like even in the first Gulf War, uh, you MREs. know, well, well, right. But, but, but in the first Gulf War, the, um, the, the light colored, um, camouflage became a style thing mm -hmm. because of the war. It was so ubiquitous because of war coverage, et cetera. Right. I think that some of this, this war ration food made its way mm -hmm. into other, the canning had been done before that, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah. But, you know, especially also considering that, the, like I said, that these companies had to repurpose themselves. There was rationing and it was an all-in thing. Perhaps it, perhaps there was a certain uh, patriotism to eating certain foods. Mm -hmm. Certainly not, uh, certainly not uh, 
sauerkraut. Yeah, and, but uh, I think there is like an aspect of it that like these are the foods oh the future that this is yes. like Jetson's food that we make in our refrigerator and is like fa- this is fancier and cooler. And, and we like, see that still now like with the remember like now with the tuna aisle little packets of tuna that have mm-hmm. tuna in a jalapeno or tuna and this and that. Mm-hmm. You know it's supposed to be yeah no this is how you eat now you just have a little uh, a packet of tuna that's Mixed with, uh, you know, uh, agave and uh, pesto, whatever it is. Um, in, we've it, There was a time when they tried to push um, uh, dry ice cream, the astronaut ice cream. Oh, yeah. On us. I feel we've, like that was when I was a kid. That yeah. Was, everyone was into astronaut ice cream. Even when I was a kid. Um, Which was interesting because then we did something where we went to some space field trip and like these real astronauts talked and we um they apparently like don't eat like that at all i mean they do freeze dry food for astronauts but at least nowadays when we went to this they reconstitute it then they add moisture to it in the space shuttle oh, or whatever they? like yeah <laughs> they're eating like shrimp cocktail and stuff they like rehydrate it before they eat it they're not actually munching on like little dry I didn't know that. Like 30 of us in the second grade class all had that. And I guess Tang was a thing, too, Mm -hmm. was, oh, the future. It's interesting just how, and then there you go. There's another, there's another um, example is, is um, from concentrate stuff. Oh, yeah. That aisle was, when me, that was the healthy aisle. Right. Yeah. Exactly. It's oh the future. We've fortified it with vitamins. We've improved upon it. We've made it into a concentrate and now you can eat this. You know, I always think that too when they're like selling pills on TV. Like this pill is the equivalent of seven heads of kale and six apples. Yes. And like, is that possible? Um, and she's tangled in the cords. She can't get out. Uh, yeah, uh, but it is funny. Like I, I don't think I've seen from Concentrate OJ. Now, I mean, actually, I remember OJ. People try not to drink things from Concentrate now because it's not considered as healthy. No, and it's not. Is it? It's <laughs> sugar, so. right? <laughs> I don't think so. Yeah. No, I think you lose a lot of the goodness of the fruit. That's so, why now it's like fresh juicing is. But once again, I think it's a question of the level of luxury that that exudes. Like, right buying from concentrate or did they have when i was when you were a kid did they have the concentrate juices that it was like a little tube shaped can that was frozen and you had it uh, frozen you ta- in the of course freezer? it was that's yeah. exactly that what i'm talking <laughs> yeah. about that and you would like of, peel off the frozen yes, thing. that section of the freezer <laughs> and then it would slop down into the yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that section uh, is what i was talking about yeah. for, that's if, so that weird. was the most important section in me, me, me and my dad used to go in the purity supreme in winchester in 1979 and be like, wow, this is the this is the really seriously healthy stuff. Yeah, but now the mark of luxury and the mark of being able to afford what you want is to like buy absolutely fresh vegetables and fruits and like put them in your fresh juicer and juice them right there and drink them just mashed up, right? Which is you know, because you don't have to be sitting around on the groceries and be able to, you know, buy them in bulk and storage and put them in your deep freezer, which at the time being able to refrigerate or freeze a bunch of stuff, that would have been like the more luxurious 
option, right? That's the fancier thing to do is have stuff that has to go in your refrigerator. That's the rich people thing to do. But like nowadays, the rich people thing to do is to have like totally fresh produce that you're like juicing by hand yourself or your servants are or whatever. Right. And I gotta say that <clears throat> what a labor of love um, when you used to have to use the OJ thing and squeeze the pulp out mm-hmm. with a little ring thing and then get the pulp out of the ring thing and like eat it or whatever and then squeeze another one. When the Purity Supreme and Winchester got an automatic OJ thing in the produce section and they would sell like the gallons of fresh mm-hmm. OJ with, I'm sure it's against health code now because I don't see it happening ever, anywhere else anymore. Yeah. But oh man, that was like liquid gold. That was delicious. So it was like seven bucks a pop too. Um, so let me ask you this. What is your favorite uh, cold salad? Like a real salad or like no. one of these aspic salads? I don't know. Like, like, like a potato salad, that kind of thing. Oh, like, yeah. I suppose those are like the last vestige of that type of eating, those mayo-y salads. Yes. Um, oh, that's tough. I mean, I love egg salad and deviled eggs. I love tuna salad. I mean, it's rarer that I'll do like chicken salad or ham salad. I guess probably tuna salad's my ultimate favorite. And that's interesting because that's a total psychological thing because if anything, <laughs> you should be more worried about tuna salad. A fish that, you know, I know, was, but was, I love tuna. was caught in the Indian Ocean. <laughs> probably. Killed, frozen, cooked and the ostensibly. the that comes in the packet. Yeah. I mean, can you imagine that? Yeah, I wonder what the people who make the, like, unsweetened gelatin are thinking. Like, how can we get them back into it? You're talking about the aspect again? Yeah, like any kind of gelatin. I think that stuff is lovely. You don't, like... like You don't make anything with... You don't buy unsweetened gelatin packets and make stuff with it. No, no, I have somebody else do that for me. Go into that category. But, like, but, but moose liver pate and... Uh, what's the stuff that you get by strangling the geese? That's pate also, isn't it? No, it's got another name. Oh, foie gras. Foie gras. Yeah, all that stuff is delicious. That part of the store for me is just lovely. I'm crazy. Oh, Oh, it's lovely. Lovely, lovely, lovely. Well, one trend that I'm excited about, even though this proves that I'm a child, actually, is um, this trend of girl dinner, which I guess is a TikTok thing. Um, This is an article from the New York Times. Uh, women across TikTok are showing off their suppers. Snack plates made by one person for the consumption and enjoyment First of one person. First of all, I don't like the, the word supper coming back to me. Okay. S- stay away, supper. It is so declassifying. I don't. I hate the idea of supper. Supper. Ugh. It's 90 degrees outside and you're too hot and exhausted from a long day of work to cobble together a proper meal. Luckily, you're home by yourself. No kids, no roommates, no partners. And therefore can eat whatever you want for dinner without having to consider the food preferences or nutrition needs of others. You grab a bag of popcorn, a glass of wine, some bread, some cheese, and a hunk of chocolate and settle into the couch for a night of snacking and watching TV. Is there anything more glorious? Welcome to girl dinner. I don't, dude, the fact that you're embracing this is very worrisome for me. It's such an insult. I would always prefer to eat a saying, snack well, than. Yes, I understand. You would want to eat gummy worms and Swedish fish, Alice, because your palate is broken. Your palate. No, but I'll like snack on nuts or the little individual <clears throat> cheeses or olives or whatever. Like, well, I mean, I'll eat capers out of the jar in our fridge. I understand. I understand. Okay. But. To relegate 
yourself to a collection of snacks. Essentially, it, all you're doing is having a plate serve as an aggregator mm-hmm. of the little nibbly things that you want, which is fine, but it makes you closer to a hamster than a human being. <laughs> According to TikTok, where the trend has more than 30 million views, girl dinner is akin to an aesthetically pleasing Lunchable, an artfully arranged pile of snacks that when consumed in high enough volume constitutes a meal. Typical girl dinners may include some kind of fruit, a block of cheddar, sliced salami, a sleeve of fancy crackers, and a dish of olives. Girl dinner is both chaotic and filling, as one TikToker both commented ch- oh. on it, requiring none of the forethought cooking or plating demanded by an actual meal. It is, this is something for zillennials and another, my wife, who is, a, who is a boomer. As another commenter observed, it's no preparation, just vibes. <laughs> this should be on the other podcast. Uh, okay, so you know there is. I, okay, let me let me just posit something. Okay, this is misguided because it's misguided, and a lot of young people don't have good palates. They don't know anything, so it's fine. And you don't have a great palate either. So, but but here's the thing. But I don't need to sit down and like have a lasagna. At I understand. Time. I understand. Not Garfield. And I live. And I. Uh, it, other people have lasagna other than the animated cat. <laughs> My husband. Yeah. I, I, first of all, I would, I would posit right now that vegetarian lasagna is better than meat lasagna. Right now, but that's a different conversation. Controversial different topic. Yes. Okay. Um, but here, um, my feeling is this. I do believe, and I get this from, what was the restaurant called on Charles Street? On down, subterranean restaurant. I can, I, I say subterranean because, was it? Uno, Charles Street Subterranean Italian Restaurant. Uh, let's see if it's still there. Charles Street Subterranean. You know why I say subterranean? Because it's underground. Well, yes, but it also is subterra, so to speak, in Latin. Yes, um, I also say it because. Oh, the Hungry Eye. That's it. Okay, it looks like it's gone now. Great, but the <laughs> Hungry Eye was a great place, um, and. They used to have, I say, I called it subterranean because the Zagat guy I'd called it Zagat guy. I'd called it su- subterranean, and I used to that used to be my stock and trade. Alice was a Zagat in my hand. Um, um. So um, we should have those people on, as a matter of fact. And um, and they, I used to go there. Actually, I, I had like four dates in my life with any people on Earth. I, I would have taken you there had we had I lived still live there. Hmm. Um, and I would start there because they had an antipasto, which was just simply a charcuterie, right? Uh, a couple of pepperoncinis and salami and prosciutto and some other things, and drizzled in olive oil. Yeah, but and why was, can't you just live all on that all the time? No, I agree. You could, and actually, it was kind of healthy. It was yeah, like, it is healthy. Yes. Um, I mean, depending what's on your girl dinner platter, there's different no. things. But and yeah, so I, I think absolutely there is, would graze on yeah. a charcuterie board like instead of a meal any day of the week. There is something for the, that and living like that. And I think it's also for – it's a certain personality type. Now, uh, you know, when I was eating that, I think it's for younger people, people without – there's a time when you get older where you want to indulge – in flavors and i think you'd want a richer more delicious food so for instance um the other day we were at grande mexico mm-hmm. i had the um steak uh, sirloin del mar which was a sirloin steak with uh scallops on top with a cream sauce which was 
bleeping delicious. This is in uh, Amesbury, by the way, Grande, Mexico. And it was delicious. And that like, was like a, getting a massage. It was so delicious, ridiculous, and so indulgent that sometimes I think, especially when you get older and you have more stuff going on like we do, mm-hmm. that you need a deeper hit of the pure uncut stuff sometimes. And that's like what that was to me. So sometimes it calls for something more than just a nibbling or the girl dinner, whatever that is. Um, by the way, I want to add um, something, a high honor. Speaking of Italian food, mm-hmm. um, I've uh, my dad and I used to go to, and I used to send people to Mother Anna's in the North End. Mm-hmm. Which was right on um, Hanover Street. It's the first place on the right. It used to be anyway. I'm not sure if it's still there. And I used to send so many people there as a concierge that eventually they um, they offered. They said, "Come in. We want you to eat in the kitchen," which is a high honor in Italian restaurants. Of course, I was intimidated by the whole aspect of that because I did not have to be a person, so I never took them up on it. But um, at Mother Anna's, um, my dad introduced me to chicken marsala, mm-hmm. and that's a great example of indulgence. In right. just succulent wonderfulness. Well, interestingly, too, both um, are kind of Mediterranean staples. Both mm-hmm. the little picky eating, you know, charcuterie board style eating, and those like rich pasta meals and stuff. Well, kind of because you've you on your girl eating. If you've got the cheddar, then you've got the cream in there, mm-hmm. and marsala is essentially cream with um, like wine sauce. Yeah. Well, but the wine marsala is from. Um, what are those things? Uh, prunes. Mm-hmm. So um, it's absolutely delicious and and succulent and wonderful. Right. Um, and it's a it's an experience that's much more than just hunger. Something else is being tickled mm-hmm. when you're there. You know. Um, and we should go to Mother Anna's soon. I did take Sally. Um, but the reason I bring that up is the highest honor. Of Italian restaurants is the invitation into the eat in the kitchen. And to me, the highest honor that you could ever have in a restaurant, ever, is when I ask for a hot sauce like I did at Grande Mexico and the guy comes out with the industrial mm-hmm. squeeze bottle. Squeeze bottle that's for professionals only <laughs> back in the kitchen. I'm pretty sure you can order like a hundred of them on the internet. No, you can't. No, you can't. No, that's their special stuff that they're using back in the kitchen. This is plastic. No, I it's mean, not. It's, I there's mean, no. It's not ornate. No, yeah, it's not. The, they, no, yeah, but this is theirs. Back on the line, the line mm-hmm. cooks are using this, and he let me use it. That's like somebody giving you the. Um, what's the stuff called? What, what, what's it called when you do caulking? You say caulking, right? <laughs> yes. You know, there's a caulking gun in um, Taco Bell that, that shoots the guacamole. If somebody were to hand me that gun, <laughs> I would fall to my knees, kiss feet, and praise God. To mm-hmm. give you that honor. Anyway, so I got that honor. So I just want to mark the date. That's mm-hmm. important. Really fantastic nachos at Grande Mexico also. whole thing was bleeping great. I've been eating it since. Mm. So um, there is one more food trend I wanted to bring to your attention because I think that um, that this is actually a food trend that you'll be into on like girl dinner potentially. Although it does, once again, bear some similarities like aesthetically with girl dinner. Mm-hmm. But apparently, there is a trend of fancy restaurants and like fancy brands doing tinned fish. Tinned fish. Yes. 
So this is from the LA Times. Octopus in butter with lemon and dill. Mussels and spicy escabeche. Smoked sardines with heather and chamomile. The tinned fish of today goes far beyond chicken of the sea. Uh... And over the pandemic, it became one of those foods you could have in your pantry that was kind of a luxury, says Kathy Seidel, owner of Salty Girl, a seafood-focused restaurant with with locations in London, Boston, and West Hollywood that flaunts one of the longest tinned fish lists in the United States. It changed the paradigm of how we think about tinned fish. Now, woman-led brands like Fishwife and Tiny Fish Co. emerged, shifting our assumptions around tinned fish with colorful, eye-catching cans stuffed with responsibly sourced seafood like smoked geoduck. Is that a thing? With black pepper and rainbow trout tenderloin. Yeah, geoduck is, um, I th- no, geoduck. Geoduck? Gooey duck. Gooey duck? Yeah, I think that was on um, um, Dirty Jobs with micro. They oh. look like large phallic things the good news about this fish is it's caught and tinned within two hours at the peak of the season Seidel said I don't think you're getting fresher fish out of the fish market able to sit stable in your pantry for years tinned fish is the perfect summertime snack and on miserably hot days it's a quick and refreshing treat a welcome addition to most any picnic spread or your girl dinner I would say too like most seafood, it's easily paired with wine, especially white, natural, and sparkling options. And whether you're grocery shopping or dining out on the town, uh, this article goes on to give us 12, 12 L.A. restaurants, which are the best places to order tinned fish in the L.A. restaurant. So, I mean, that's really something to me because I don't think of tinned fish as being something that you order in the restaurant. Like, no, where I they mean, serve you... Co- no, they serve it in the tin. If you look at the plating... They're serving it like girl dinner. I just sent you a link. I want you to look at the gooey duck and tell me if we have a problem or not. Um, But, yeah, I'm going to look at the gooey duck. Hang on. So. uh, Oh, yeah, I'm not eating that. Sorry. Yes, it is all. It's just phallic. (laughs) So, um, so, so I. They're serving it in the little tin at your table and pairing it with a fancy wine. Do you cohabitate with somebody who enjoys (laughs) tin? I do. That's why I'm saying I think you would enjoy this. I'm I'm all for it. I I always buy although they're expensive as crap now. The maybe because it's gotten fancy. Tinned oysters are expensive. Hopefully they're responsibly mined or whatever. Um, and <laughs> I eat, um, I buy um, anchovies and have those. It makes me think of you in a miner's hat yeah. in the mines looking for oysters. Um, and um, and mussels as well. I, mm-hmm. I, that aisle is for me. It's just gotten a little bit expensive. So yeah. the anchovies have not gotten more expensive, oddly enough. Mm-hmm. But everything else is, um, yeah. Well, I'm willing to bet that if you order a tin of fish at Salty Girl, it's probably going to run you even more than... Anything with the word girl in it tells me that... The uh, Tiny Fish Co.? Yes. The, this Salty Girl used to have um, used to have a cupcake shop Unless, 10 years ago. Unless, of course, they'd like to remember, sponsor on, the podcast. Remember the cupcake, cupcake trend? Yeah. Everybody had a cu- cupcake thing mm-hmm. 10 years ago? Like, yeah. <sighs> yes. Yeah. A Salty Girl, I... He takes t- it back. He wants to go to your restaurant, actually. Yes. <laughs> it's funny, because people do try... I don't know if that'll actually take because people are skeeved out by. I mean, you got to start early getting into this stuff. I don't think anybody's a late adopter to like tinned fish. I think you yeah, will have had to stop start early. Think. Although, I mean, some stuff like I'll do the octopus that's like pretty plain. The goya stuff. Yeah, like in a salad, like you know how they serve it at Italian restaurants with like lemon juice and yummy stuff and like. Remember when we got into that for a while? Are you talking about conch squingili? 
We did that too, but didn't we have? Didn't we go through a phase where we had octopus with salad? I used to buy it and Put ice it, with it salad. and yeah, and uh, lemon the crap out yeah. of it. It's good, go go yeah. stuff. Yeah, that was good. And I would do that. That's fine. I don't need to eat it like directly from the tin. It does skeeve me a little. But if you look at that article, you can see how they're plating it, and it does look very fancy. It looks TikTokable, like a uh, girl dinner. It is funny to me though how like the TikTok trends run the gamut of like the fancy plated girl dinner that you make yourself to like another TikTok trend that's huge that our kids are all into is the grimace shake thing. Have you followed any of this? I saw it's like somebody murders somebody or something. No, it's like the idea is that everybody's pretending that like something really bad happens to you when you have the grimace shake like you get intoxicated or incapacitated oh. or like you're dying or something i don't know but anyway so it's a big tiktok trend but the mcdonald's employees are starting to get annoyed with people coming in and ordering like five grimace shakes so they can make their tiktok videos they're getting annoyed <laughs> that's yeah. the best thing that could ever happen to them no i know they used to you know 10 years ago people, people sure... were throwing the shakes through the windows you know <laughs> i mean yeah so uh, i would think that um, you know, it's, it's good for the company. I don't know if it's good for the company or not, because on the one hand, um, like they are implying that something bad happens to you if you drink the Grimace shake. On the yeah. other hand, they're all buying them to make TikToks about it. So I it's, would assume all, they're it's, selling it's really good. well. It's only good But for yeah, I mean, so it is interesting though. Um, <laughs> we were laughing earlier today because the kids asked when Grimace was invented. So I was looking it up and the original, the first um, appearance of Grimace was actually in 1972. This is the big purple McDonald's character. But then in the 80s, apparently he had an uncle, Uncle O. Grimacy, who they used to promote the shamrock <laughs> shake during March. <laughs> So, advertising was different in the 80s, I guess. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I do wonder, <laughs> I wonder if launching okay that fleet of, of characters mm-hmm. who would appear at McDonald's. Oh, in the play spaces that looked like little prisons and right, stuff. Right, but, but launching that fleet of characters, I wonder if that coincided with Disney World opening. Mm, yeah, somebody at McDonald's was envisioning a future where there would be McDonald's land. Well, yeah, yes, and yes, and to, to create not only... Obviously, that the the idea is there that you're sticking around, right? Um, as a matter of fact, we have to remember that the drive-through is new. The drive-through, first McDonald's drive-through. Let's Google that. I bet you it was. Yeah, but when I was a kid, we went to McDonald's, right? And that was like an occasion. Going to McDonald's was cool. Like people had birthday parties there. Right. Well, that's the point. Is that is that the first McDonald's drive-through was, was inspired by U.S. Army soldiers. Um, this is this is from corporate.mcdonalds.com. Drive-through is often synonymous with McDonald's and restaurants. In fact, drive-through currently accounts for roughly seventy percent of our business. But for the first twenty years of McDonald's, this wasn't the case. In the early nineteen seventies, McDonald's red and white tiled stores were being remodeled, but rival fast food chains on the West Coast had already incorporated the drive-through into their dining experience. Hmm. Nineteen seventy-four, McDonald's Dallas regional manager brought up the idea to the vice president at the time, Brent Cameron, to add the drive-thru to our very own McDonald's restaurants. Brent had also been approached by regional managers from Los Angeles and San Diego about the possibility. So he approved the proposition for a drive-thru, and the Dallas regional manager decided that a store located in Oklahoma City would be the perfect fit. 
The design featured a four-column roof garden-themed drive-thru um, that allowed for two cars to remain covered while ordering. The layout and equipment for the store's drive-thru was planned for late October 1974, but the project was delayed upon decision uh, under they wanted to remodel the stores first. Word of the project quickly spread through and got many McDonald's owners operators thinking about the potential of the drive-thru. Shortly after the pause of the original launch, a drive-thru was opened in Sierra Vista, Arizona in 1975. Hmm. So that's interesting because just thinking about the grimace and all that stuff is that obviously that is this, the dining-in experience. Right. So it, which, is, which is weird to me because you want fast food, but you're sticking around. So what's the hurry? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. But it does. I would think that it impacts other menu items like dessert and stuff. Because, for example, like if we would go to McDonald's as kids, we would order like the ice cream cone afterwards after sticking around. Do you know what I mean? Like, and I we never order dessert at McDonald's anymore, really. When you're going through the drive You got drive an ice cream cone at McDonald's? Yeah. It's like a soft serve ice cream cone. Yeah. They had that. Oh, okay. Um, but... Yeah, like, I, you know, I I would never in the drive-thru order a soft-serve ice cream at McDonald's because what no. a hassle. Like, it's no, so impractical. I was actually at the one... By the way, this is just a shout-out to McDonald's in, um, in Newburyport. What's that place What's that place we go to where the market basket is? Crossroads Plaza, is that that? It's not Crossroads. It's, which one? Oh, that's the one in Salisbury. Sorry. It's, yeah. um, is it the port? Port Plaza? place or Port something. something? Yeah, yeah. Um, I actually listen to this, Alice. I ordered four because because I order smart because I have kids in the car, uh-huh. or I'm just getting them for kids. I don't give them a choice. I ordered four, three McDoubles, and then I saw and I and he said, "Is that all?" I said, "Yep." And I saw that there was two. It was two for three dollars. Mm-hmm. Two for, later, and I said, "Oh, can I add another one after you already gave me the total?" And I heard somebody say, "What?" And I said, "Oh, forget it." And then as I went to the window, the guy came over and erased the order and added the fourth one. So props. That's a clutch at McDonald's. Good, nice. Yeah, good job. We need, to, we need to recognize when things absolutely work because it's a rarity more and more these days. Well, I hate nostalgia because I can't climb up that hill without thinking I hate nostalgia, I still think about you It's been so long, I'm so lame I hate nostalgia Hope you hate it too Hope you wonder What am I doing and who I'm pursuing I hope you think I lead A really exotic life The way I think about you Probably have a wife of your job and you go to church on Sundays and barbecue on weekends out in your backyard and sometimes think about me.